eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out a real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Thursday's live episode of Flippin' Bats. We got a great one for you today. A lot to catch you up on from around the league, so some storylines, but also some really fun segments today. Trivia, that's going to be a blast. I always crush it in trivia, so producer Conrad's out here to help me through that. Ask me some of those questions, but we got a lot of good stuff coming, a bunch of fun segments. We're going to build my my own personal all-star from from different attributes that's going to be fun but let's get into it let's start with some of the storylines from around the league and have a fun episode producer conrad what are we starting with today my friend you know i feel like nobody has been given san diego enough love this season they've been out without fernando tatis for what the entire first half of the year and they're only tied with the dodgers for top of the nl nos let's talk about the padres as we sit here now on thursday the padres are in first place in the NL West, all by them lone, all by them lonesome selves, they are in first place. They're one of only three teams in baseball with 40 wins. They're in first place in the month of June for the first time since 2010. It's the first time the Padres have been in first place in the NL West in June since 2010. Why aren't we talking about them more? Why is everybody talking? And look, I believe the Dodgers are the best team on paper and baseball. They're great. They seem to get all of the talk in the NL West. All of it. The Padres deserve so much credit for what they have been doing without Fernando Tatis, their superstar, for what they have been doing with their pitching staff. Joe Musgrove has been one of the best pitchers on the planet this year. Manny Machado has been fantastic. But even as Manny Machado in the last week or two, hasn't been as hot as he was originally, which how can you be? The rest of the team has started to pick it up. Jake Cronenworth is 356 in his last 15 games. This is in the month of June. Cronenworth 356 with 20 RBIs. Jerickson Profar, 317. Luke Voigt, 273 with five homers. The supporting cast has been picking it up for the Padres. And I said this early on in the year. And I've said it a million times, and I'll keep saying it until people give them the respect that they need. The Padres just needed to tread water until Tatis could come back. Well, they haven't just been treading water. They've been doing things that they haven't done since 2010. The pitching staff has been elite, third-best ERA amongst all starters in baseball. The second-best on-base percentage. Second-most strikeouts. Joe Musgrove, like I said earlier, is, is elite. This rotation, the lowest ERAs through 11 starts in Padres history. 1.47 from Jake Peavy in 2007, the year he won the Padres' last Cy Young Award, by the way. And Joe Musgrove, 1.50, who wears number 44 in honor of Jake Peavy, by the way, who's from San Diego. It's just really cool what this Padres team has been able to do without their superstar. And 
Why is that the case? Why weren't they able to do this last year? Well, well, let's go back a little bit. Last year, the Padres were fantastic. And if you remember those battles with the Dodgers and they, they won those season series against the Dodgers and they, they built this rivalry that was awesome. And then they just fell off a cliff and downfall spiraled. It was awful. But the team is still really good. And then they bring in Bob Melvin. And the Bob Melvin factor here can't be understated. The San Diego Padres bring in a manager that knows how to manage a team, knows how to manage a bunch of talent and to get the best out of them. He got the best out of a team in Oakland that wasn't near as talented as this team, but they continually won ballgames. Now Bob Melvin comes in, takes over a team that is fully capable of winning right now, and look what they are doing without Fernando Tatis. It is truly remarkable. It really is, but I think real quick, we need to kind of bring up why they fell off that cliff last season. And it all kind of started around the All-Star break where they were like, man, we are one or two good pieces away from being a contender for a World Series. And what did they do? Well, they did a couple things. One, they went out and got Adam Frazier, which it didn't work out well. He was the leading he was leading the NL in hits when they get him. They also, I don't know if you remember this, they traded, at least it was announced, they traded for Max Scherzer. And if you remember this, the Max Scherzer situation was interesting because everybody had been told Max Scherzer is going to a team in the NL West. So we're all like, oh my God, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the Padres, the Dodgers, or the Giants? I don't foresee Max Scherzer going to the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. But So you believe it was those three teams. And then we hear the report that Max Scherzer had been traded to the Padres. And you're like, oh my God, this team that is surprising everybody and is really legit is going to get one of the best pitchers in baseball. And that turned out to not be true. Not only was it not true, they lost the trade deadline, as obviously you you can't beat what the Dodgers did. But the Dodgers went out and made the moves that they didn't. They went out and added Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. How do you have a better trade deadline than that? So you have this team that's in the midst of, of... trying to win a division title against all odds when the Dodgers are doing what they were doing and the Giants were doing what they were doing last year. You have this team that's really talented, full of superstars. Fernando Tatis was on top of the world. And then you had to win the trade deadline. You had to do something at the trade deadline. They went out and added Adam Frazier. I don't know if that was the answer, to be fair and honest. I I liked the pickup. He was leading the NL in hits at the time. But it's not adding Max Scherzer. It's not adding Trey Turner. And what you needed to do was add pitching. They needed a a big-time arm in that rotation because Clevenger was down. Blake Snell wasn't having the year that everybody knew and thought he could have. So they lost the trade deadline. And that... That ended up leading to, I think, their downfall, their spiral. The the Dodgers went out and got way better. Next thing you know, the Padres are fighting with each other in the dugout, which I think people made too much of a deal about, by the way. Fights on teams happen. Guys get into it with each other. It's just a part of playing baseball and being around guys 162 days of a year. But that one was out in the public, so next thing you know, they're getting asked a lot of questions about it. Their manager didn't handle it well. That's why he's gone. And then it just became, I, I don't use this word lightly, Last year became a fiasco for the Padres. Totally. And I mean, obviously, you talked about bringing Bob Melvin in and what he kind of did for that. I mean, he was a fantastic manager. I know he was back with Seattle for a while, but then the Oakland Athletics kind of turned him around, made them playoff contending teams year to year. But you look at this Padres team now, they don't need starting pitching anymore. That's where they're 
at their best. Well, let's let's look at this rotation. You have you Darvish, who threw 12 starts as a 3.35 ERA, and that's with a couple of blow-up starts. He's actually been dominant in most of his starts. Real quick, can we talk about you Darvish for a second? I would love. I to. saw one of the most amazing things this morning on Twitter that his son is named Shohei Darvish. Did you know that? I love that. And he's a pitcher. I love that. That kid's going to throw 100. Just a fun fact out there for everybody. I saw this morning, I was like, this can't be right. Shohei Darvish? I also have a fun fact for you. 100% of Major League Baseball players that are named Shohei have grown up to be the best baseball player in my eyes that I've ever seen. Well, you're seeing probably the next one right in front of you. I mean, 100% is good odds, so I hope he becomes a major league baseball player because he's going to be awesome. Uh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. So you Darvish. Yes. Killing it. Uh, Sean Nanaya, a big pickup, by the way, from they get him from uh, Oakland. He's got a 3.95. So I actually believe he's, he's better than that. So this, this rotation has potential to be even better. Joe Musgrove. Friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of mine played against him in the minors. Um, knew I've known him for a while. Then he comes on here and, has been tearing it up ever since. Can I take credit for what he's doing this year since he came on last year? I'll give you a little bit of credit. A little bit of credit. I'll take 0.01% of the credit of what Joe Musgrove is doing this year because he deserves so much credit. He deserves to be in the conversation of best pitchers in baseball this year, of, of the best pitcher in baseball. He deserves that. He is 7-0 and with a 1.50 ERA. 1.50. It's remarkable. Nick Martinez has been good for them, a 3.74 ERA. And Mackenzie Gore, who I, I will say right now I think is going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. He, Ooh. De- he deserves it. He should. He is 4-2 and two with a 2.50 ERA. 2.5. In the NOS, he's got to face a bunch of good teams. He's a rookie. He hadn't quite figured it out yet in his career. And then he comes up, and he has just been shoving this year. I think that Mackenzie Gore will be the National League Rookie of the Year. But this rotation is the biggest reason why they are so good. Manny Machado being as good as he was early. Still, Manny Machado being as good as he has has been is a big factor. The role players have been good. And one quick shout-out before we move on to Manny Machado, because he has now reached 1,500 hits. He did that on Wednesday. Becoming the 17th player ever to reach 1,500 hits and 250-plus home runs before the age of 30. There aren't many players left in baseball that have a chance, a legitimate chance, to get to 3,000 hits. It's going to be very difficult for him to do it still, but the pace is is an interesting one. It at least makes you think maybe he has a chance, but congratulations to Manny Machado on that. 17th player all time in that category. Pretty cool. I mean, Manny Machado has just been one of the best players in baseball overall. I mean, this first half is obviously up there with Paul Goldschmidt, but what he's been able to kind of keep this franchise alive without Fernando Tatis, who many looked at as not only the face of the Padres, but the face of baseball. Well, he the, the Padres needed somebody to step up. They have all the momentum in the world coming into this season. They get a new manager, and then you hear Fernando Tatis, biking accident, out for months, broke his wrist, whatever it may be, and then... It's it's doomsday for this Padres team. How are they going to keep up with the Dodgers? Well, we're sitting here on June 16th, and the Padres are in first place in the NL West over the Dodgers and over the Giants. 
incredible. A big reason for that, and they would not be here right now if it wasn't for the start to this year that Manny Machado has had. Yeah, and if you're a San Diego fan, you got to be happy because this year you don't have to win the trade deadline. It's just getting back Fernando Tatis Jr. and adding him to this lineup that's already been playing pretty stellar through the first I half would, the year. I would like to see them add an outfielder. I would like to see the Padres add in the outfield. Uh, and then, I mean, how? So, so then you're looking at an infield. You have um, Cronenworth, Tatis when he comes back, Machado at third, Hosmer, Voigt at first base. I think they need to add in the outfield. I would love to see that. I would love to see the Padres and Dodgers go neck and neck all year long. And I think they just need to add somebody in the outfield. So do you think Tatis is going to actually come back and fill in at short? Or do you think they're going to put him in the outfield to try to preserve his health? I think he's going to play shortstop. When we saw the video of him the other day taking ground balls, he was taking ground balls. I mean, I don't want to say the outfield was was a, a failure but I mean he didn't he wasn't great out there in the outfield I get it I actually not to <laughs> this is gonna be the one and only time in my life I compare myself to Fernando Tatis Jr. but we actually have the exact same injury a torn left labrum arm pops out fairly easily I did it in the outfield diving after a ball so it it, it is easier to be in the outfield when you have that injury. In the infield, you kind of have to dive for a lot of balls. In the outfield, you can get away with sliding instead of diving. Um, So there's just more opportunity to do it at shortstop, and with him being as good as he is, he dives for a lot of balls. He can get to a lot of stuff, so that does make it interesting. He just wasn't – he's not an outfielder. He's a shortstop, and I hope to see him at shortstop. Yeah, I mean, regardless – Baseball is a better sport with Fernando Tatis Jr. in it, and we can't wait to see him come back and start doing some of the amazing things he was doing last year and the year before. Let's move on, though, and let's talk about another team that's found their way at the top of the charts in their division, the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals are over... Uh, They're on top of the Brew Crew in the NL Central, and yes, it took the Brewers going on a horrendous losing streak and losing, what, 9 of 10 games. Um, But... Yes, we can talk about the Brewers another time. They're dealing with a bunch of injuries. Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, their their team is built around pitching, and they haven't had their top three studs. The offense hasn't been picking them up. It's a, it, it, There's problems there in Milwaukee. On the other side of things, on the other team in this division that's at the top, the Cardinals have been fantastic. And as we sit here entering Thursday, the Cardinals have a game and a half lead over the Brewers in the NL Central, which sitting um, a month ago, three weeks ago, nobody would have seen this coming. But the Cardinals have been fantastic. They just got back Jack Flaherty, who wasn't great in his first start back. But the fact that he is back pitching in the big leagues is huge for this Cardinals team. They need that pitching. Adam Wainwright continues to be good. But let me just say, what is happening this year with the Cardinals wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is having an MVP type of season. In a, in a career where he has been right on the doorstep multiple times of winning an MVP award, what he is doing this year has propelled himself right in the midst of that conversation, at the top of the NL conversation for MVP. Entering Thursday, Paul Goldschmidt is second in all of baseball in hits. And this is in all of Major League Baseball, by the way, not just the National League. Second in hits, tied for seventh in home runs, 
Third in RBI. He has 56 RBIs already. Second in batting average. Second in on-base percentage. And third in slugging percentage. First in all of baseball in OPS. 1.07. That's incredible. So entering today, Goldschmidt is plus 350 to win the NL MVP. Behind only Mookie Betts at plus 320. Those are Fox Bet odds. Um, I really like what Paul Goldschmidt has been doing. Another guy that I don't think gets the credit he deserves. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't get the credit that when Nolan Arenado was on top of the world and really hot, he was getting a bunch of credit. Deservedly so. Manny Machado gets a lot of credit. Mookie Betts gets a lot of credit. I don't think Paul Goldschmidt gets the respect he deserves for being an MVP caliber player. We saw it out in Arizona with the Diamondbacks, and we're seeing it now in St. Louis. Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals is the first Major League Baseball player to have nine-plus hits, nine-plus RBI, six-plus runs scored, five-plus extra base hits, four-plus home runs, zero strikeouts over a two-day span since Ty Cobb in 1925. Ty Cobb is the last one to do what Paul Goldschmidt has done over the course of a two-game span, a two-day span. Truly remarkable. So what this Cardinals team is doing deserves a lot of credit, and it's also a really cool storyline this year with the Cardinals. There's a lot of there's a lot of things going on with them. You had Nolan Arenado starting off the year great. You have Paul Goldschmidt picking them up. You have Adam Wainwright pitching well at the end of his career. But you also have guys like Albert Pujols and Yadi Molina who are on the last year, admittedly, of their career. What's up? Let's talk about let's talk about Albert Pujols and why we're, no one has given this that's, man his flowers. That's what I want to say. So why this is another storyline with this team. Yes, they've been good. They're in first place in the NL Central. Oh, guess what? Albert Pujols is back where it all began to end his career now. He is one of the greatest players of all time and certainly, probably, and this is tough to say as a fan of Miguel Cabrera and played in that organization and know Miggy well, but he is probably the greatest hitter of this generation and now he's on the last year of his career, back where it all began, and we're not giving him a farewell tour? We gave one to Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, yes, the captain of the New York Yankees, the shortstop of the New York Yankees, but how are we giving? How are we not giving one to Albert Pujols, who is definitely a better player? Albert Pujols is one of the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah, you can't compare him to the captain of the Yankees, but Albert Pujols is certainly a better player. He's done things that haven't, like, he's one of four players in MLB history with 3,000 or more hits, 600-plus home runs. Listen to this category. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols. So now he's on the last year of his career. Every home run he hits is creeping closer and closer to 700 home runs. It is certainly a possibility that it happens this year, but we're not giving him a tour like we see other players get. Farewell tours have become this this craze around sports. Some people that I don't even want, I don't want to say guys don't deserve it, but there are guys that haven't been near as good and the legacy of Albert Pujols that have gotten farewell tours. Why are we not giving him one? I 
I think we both agree with this. I mean, I know Miggy and him are probably one and two as best hitters in our generation. Yes. I would put Albert Pujols number one, no questions asked. I know Miggy, Miggy is obviously tremendous, but I don't think I've ever watched baseball outside of Barry Bonds. That's a whole different story where when someone comes to the plate, there is somebody more feared than Albert Pujols in his heyday. And just looking at his numbers, this guy probably would have had three more MVPs if Barry Bonds wasn't in the league. Well, I mean, and, and he would have finished his career with six, six, possibly seven MVP trophies. And there's no farewell tour. No one's saying, hey, man, great job. You were so great for baseball. It's it's unbelievable to me. It is. Albert Pujols has the ninth most hits of all time, the fifth most home runs of all time, and the third most RBIs of all time. And he's in a category one of four guys with Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and Alex Rodriguez. And we're almost just like skating through this season, watching his career come to an end. I have always been a guy that likes to appreciate things in the moment, when they're happening. We are seeing greatness when it happens. That's why I talk so much about Shohei Otani, because I recognize the greatness and the unprecedented nature of it while it's happening. And I want to make sure I don't miss it and people don't miss it. We are missing the last year of Albert Pujols' career, one of the greatest careers of all time. We just aren't acknowledging it. So we're going to get down to the last game of the year that he plays in St. Louis. And then what? We're going to do a big ceremony? He should be... He should be celebrated every step of the way this year, every place he gets it. And I actually think we do too many farewell tours. But if anybody deserves it, Albert Pujols deserves it. Every place he goes this year, people should be celebrating him. At home, I don't care. Every single day, do something. Put it up on the scoreboard. Give him a standing ovation. Let him pinch hit and and like just do something every single game to celebrate the best hitter of this generation while we are seeing it happen. I'm tired of it not happening. I don't want it to get to the end of the year and it be like, oh man, Albert Pujols is out of baseball. I don't want that to happen. We can't let that happen. He went to the Trop. Fans got on their feet at the Trop as the Rays honor Albert Pujols and Yadi Molina in their final game at Tropicana Field. Good. I am all for that. I am all for fans doing that. I also think there should be something more, and I know the legacy that these guys have had together, Yadi Molina, Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright, I actually think those other guys, I, I think they will all I think they could all be Hall of Famers and they could all go in together, which would be really cool. But there is a different level to what Albert Pujols has done in his career. He deserves not only a standing ovation from the crowd, he deserves what we've seen all... Well, you remember Mariano Rivera was going places getting chairs made out of broken bats because he broke so many bats. I mean, he deserves that sort of stuff. He never broke bats, although he did pitch this year. One of the, A great pitcher in his own right. Um, but he deserves stuff like that. And I just want to appreciate what we are seeing from the greatest hitter of this generation in his last hoorah. The baseball world deserves that, and Albert Pujols deserves that. He absolutely does. We feel the same way about farewell tours. They can be nauseating at times because I feel like too many guys that don't deserve them have gotten them. But this is one of those situations where he certainly deserves his flowers and a farewell tour. Let's move on real quick, though, to uh, the Braves. 14 games in a row now. I sat here now, what, two and a half, three weeks ago, and I called out the Atlanta Braves, and I will keep saying this because I called out the Atlanta Braves, and they haven't 
lost since. They have won 14 games in a row, one shy of tying their longest winning streak in history. The Braves won 15 straight from August in, in 2000. Eight of these games have been on the road. During this 14-game streak, the Braves have hit 35 homers, the most in baseball. It's the longest winning streak by defending world champions in a long time, since 1953. And it's one of the longest winning streaks by a defending champion ever. The Yankees in 1953 won 18 games in a row. That's the longest of which. But the Braves in 2022 are at 14. And it's not like it's been without their their um, struggles in terms of they got some uh, they got some adversity thrown at them. That's the word I was looking for. Adversity. Ozzy Albies goes down, breaks his ankle or his foot. He's now going to miss months of the year. A massive loss for them. Ozzy Albies was playing great, much better baseball. He started out fairly slow, but he had been playing great. Reached base in, in nine straight before going down. 11 RBIs in his last seven games. So he goes down. And now the Braves have cut their lead, the, the Mets lead down in the division. Listen to this. Entering June, the Braves were 10 and a half games behind the Mets. Now here we are, just over two weeks later, and they are four games behind the Mets. Now, I want to talk about this because I talk about this and I tweeted that exact phrase and people would say, but their their schedule has been so easy and the Mets schedule has been so hard. To be quite honest with you, I don't care. I have talked so much about the Mets on this show and stated that I don't think they are going to quote Met this year, which is the statement everybody likes to say, the Mets are going to Met. I don't care about any of that. The Mets have played a very difficult part of their schedule and they've played it slightly over 500, which is really good for them and a testament to how good they are this year. The Braves have played an easier part of their schedule and they have taken advantage of it. You can't fault a team for playing the schedule that they have. It doesn't matter. Everybody goes through easier parts of a schedule. But nobody is winning 14 games in a row. The Braves haven't won this many games in a row since 2000. So yes, an easier part of the schedule. The Mets went through a tougher part of the schedule. That's how it all works out. In the end, it all comes back to the middle. And now, the Braves, just two weeks later, aren't sitting 10 and a half games out of first place. They're sitting four games out of first place. We are set up for a dogfight in the NL East. That's what we are heading for, a dogfight. I have said that I believe this Braves team, when all is said and done, can be better than the team last year that won the World Series. Why do I say that? because Ronald Acuna is now a part of it, because Mike Soroka can hopefully come back and be a part of it. Ronald Acuna, in the 29 games that he missed this year, the Braves were 13 and 16. Okay? 13 and 16. In the 35 games that he has played this year, the Braves are 24 and 11. The Ronald Acuna factor, the impact, it's real. Yes, on the field, what he brings is phenomenal. He hits homers. He does the LeBron James celebration. He does the Trey Young celebration. He's on socials. Those guys are responding to it. But off the field, he is the heartbeat of the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman's gone. This Atlanta Braves team 
is Ronald Acuna's. It's his team. He is the heartbeat of the team. They revolve and they go as Ronald Acuna goes. Luckily, he's always going. So this Braves team is now on 14 in a row. Their schedule continues to be a little on the easier side for the next few games. I'm not going to sit here and predict they win 20 games in a row, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. The Braves are rolling. They're playing great. They went out and added Kenley Jansen at the back end of their bullpen. He has the third most saves in baseball at 18. He's top 10 all-time in MLB saves. So we're not talking enough about what the Braves went out and did this offseason. I sat here a few weeks ago, under a month ago, and said, hey, Braves, it's time to wake up. You're way too talented to be as as mediocre as you are right now. They went out and they added Matt Olson. They add Kenley Jansen. Ronald Acuna comes back. They made the right moves to be good, and now we're seeing just how good the Braves can be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've hit the surface of like what they actually what their true potential could be this year. I mean, 14 games in a row is obviously a lot. Yeah, I think we're. I mean, I think we're in the midst of seeing. How good they can be. See, but, I don't I don't believe that though, because I still don't believe that they have all the right guys. I mean, obviously Ozzy Albies is out now, but I mean you don't even have Soroka back, who people forget when he was playing beforehand. Friend of the pub. Yeah. He was their number one guy. He was he was an absolute stud. So I still think that this team can still get better. I think when you bring Soroka back, when Ozzy comes back, we're really gonna start seeing what this Brave team can I, put together. I, I agree. But the only reason I say that is because you can't put together anything better than 14 and 0 in the course of 14 games. 15 and 0. 15 and 0. Yes. Well, you can put 15 and 0 together. Well, okay. <laughs> right. That is clearly the next. But I'm saying they can't be in better form than they are right now. I do agree. And this is why I predicted the Atlanta Braves to get back to the World Series because I think they can be a better team. And when Mike Soroka comes back, I'm not expecting or nor should anybody expect Mike Soroka to come back and immediately be the all star player that he was. But if he comes back and starts pitching and getting into a rhythm and comes back and pitches in Major League Baseball again and again and again, he could potentially get back to that form. By the time they're getting down the stretch and playing the Mets at the end of the year and getting into the playoffs, we're in for a dogfight in the NL East. And both of these teams, the Mets and the Braves, are fantastic. And the ground that the Braves have made up is not I'm we we can't sit here and discredit what the Braves have done because of their schedule. I hate that argument more than anything in the world. That seems extreme to say, maybe not more than anything in the world, but it's not about the schedule. You can only play what is given in front of you. And to win 14 games in a row in Major League Baseball just doesn't happen very often. And that means that you're playing great. There's some magic involved. The vibes are good. I don't care about the schedule. And yes, the Mets have done a phenomenal job navigating their tough schedule without two of the best players on the planet, by the way, and Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. So they're going to get their guys back. The Braves now have one of their guys back in Ronald Acuna. They will get Mike Soroka back, hopefully, fingers crossed. Ozzie Albies could come back at some point. There's not much of a timetable yet for him. I've heard a couple, a few months. But these two teams are the real deal. And the NL East is in for a dogfight, and I'm excited to see it. The National League in general is just a lot of fun. you got a lot of good races going on. So it should be great going on the rest of the season. But let's move on to something that 
kind of just came out of thin air yesterday. Yes. In a little segment we're calling What Are the Odds? What are the odds? I want to explain how we came to this segment first off. And also what we're going to talk about is the two immaculate innings that took place in the Houston Astros game on Wednesday. Two immaculate innings in one game. So let's get into this new segment, What Are the Odds? And we came up with this title. Let me explain how this came to be. I was talking to producer Conrad. We were doing some some show prep. And I was just talking about these two immaculate innings, and I just said, what are the odds? So (laughs) here you have it, a new segment called What Are the Odds? Where we really dove into this. But first, I want to talk a little bit about immaculate innings. And then I want to talk about, because we did dive deep into the literal odds of how rare this is to happen, because there have only been 108 immaculate innings ever in Major League Baseball. It's more rare than a no-hitter. It's it's more rare than a cycle. This is wild, what we saw. And we saw it in twice in a game. So an immaculate inning is three strikeouts, in the span of three batters and nine pitches. Three strikes, three pitches, three batters. End of the inning. That happened twice on Wednesday for the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia, Phil Maton, Phil Maton did it in the exact same game. So you might ask, what are the odds of that? Well, guess what? We have the answers here for you on flipping bats. So let's dive into this a little bit. The 107th and 108th immaculate inning were thrown for the Astros. There have been 4,130,019 total innings in MLB history. Now, there have only been 108 happen in those innings, meaning the odds for just one immaculate inning for a game are 0.000026%. Essentially, this means that there is a 1 in 38,240 chance of one immaculate inning happening in a game. It happened twice. There have been 316 career no-hitters, okay? So more than double immaculate innings. 316 in 234,213 games. The odds for a no-hitter are 0.0013%. There have been 337 cycles. The odds of a cycle are 0.0014. So slightly higher than a no-hitter. There you have slightly a higher chance of seeing a cycle at a game than you do a no-hitter. There have been 23 perfect games in MLB history and 2,000 and, and 234,213 games in Major League Baseball history. There have been 23 perfect games, meaning the odds for a perfect game are point zero 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 nine eight. The odds of seeing an immaculate inning in a game are less than seeing a perfect game. It happened twice in a game 
for the Houston Astros. And it is truly, truly a remarkable feat that, you know, it's the only time in MLB history that it's ever happened. And, uh, you know, you might be thinking, okay, an immaculate inning, nine pitches, nine strikeouts. That's really cool, but it's not like the biggest feat in the world. But we had to make a little bit bigger of a deal about this because there is a very good chance, a very real possibility, and in all likelihood, this will never happen again. Not in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime. Not in, well, I don't want to say how many, you know. You never know. But this won't happen again in our lifetime. Two immaculate innings, one game, truly remarkable. The best part about this, the same three batters. It was the same three batters in the lineup for the Texas Rangers. What a day. History. I mean, big time history. It's one of those things that like you only get this in baseball. Where it's like, hey, we've been around for like 120 plus years. And uh, yeah, this is the first time this has ever happened. It's only a sport like baseball where you can get something like this. And it was just kind of like we were talking earlier. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Vlad Guerrero Sr. It was like they had the same exact stats through like their first yeah. like 403 games. It's just something that makes you say, what are the odds? What are the odds? Which had me thinking, you ready for some trivia? Oh, baby. Let's get to some trivia. What are the odds you finish over 500 this week in trivia? Better than two immaculate innings happening in one game. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're ready to go, let's get this bad boy fired up. Let's do it. All right. First trivia question. Which position has the most career MVPs? <laughs> what position has the most career MVPs? Um, well, Barry Bonds has a bunch. Uh, I'm going to say... Out, can I say outfield? I can't say right field. No. First base. <sighs> the buzzer. By, by a long <laughs> shot, yeah. First base, 36 total MVPs. Okay. I, I just went, I, I got in my head Barry Bonds and Mike Trout, so. I got you. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, for one. This one, this one's a true or false again, 50-50. Giving you a little right. bit better odds here. Back in 1830, true or false, so-and-so threw a strike on this, this pitch. This one's kind of like that. <laughs> Great. A relief pitcher has won MVP. A relief pitcher has won the MVP award? True. Yeah, there you go. That yeah. one's right. Thank you. Last one to get it was Eckersley in 92. Yep, since Eckersley. Knew that. So four total in general. I did not know that. Four total relief pitchers have won it in baseball history. All right, next one. I knew that. More career MVPs, center fielders or pitchers? I'm going to say pitchers. That's correct. I feel like nowadays center field has become like the premium position of baseball. If like you have the most uh, real estate to work with, you make the flashy plays, Ken Griffey, Mike Trout, all that. But yeah, pitchers up by two, 22 to 20. All right. Next up. My brother counts to that tally, by the way. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Now, I got some pop culture in your front. You wanted some pop culture? I got some pop culture for you. All right? All right. More number one songs versus MVPs. Backstreet Boys, number one songs, or Miguel Cabrera MVPs? Who has more of them? Who has... Okay. Do the Backstreet Boys have more number one songs or Miguel Cabrera MVPs? I'm going to go with... 
back street back all right and you're wrong dang it <laughs> backstreet boys have never had a number one song fun fact that's not a fun fact at all i hate that fact dumb question well next, <laughs> next question which has more simpsons total episodes or Barry Bonds oh, career home runs. Oh, oh, oh. Simpsons total epic. The Simpsons have been on since 1989. 1989. Barry Bonds hit a million home runs. So he hit 700. Okay, so I'm gonna. If I did the math correct, the Simpsons have had more episodes. You've done the math wrong, my friend. The Simpsons have less episodes by 34. 34 less episodes. Barry Bonds, 762 home runs. Simpsons, currently 728 episodes. Yeah, but if you start adding in the movies and breaking them up into the time that they took, if you break those up into episodes, you would have an extra 50. I added that into my math. So when I did my math, I actually I, I added that in and you didn't. So a little if disparity. You, if you add every four hits that Barry Bonds had and equaled him as a home run. But you wouldn't do that. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, another good one for you. Which is more, Otani career wins in Major League Baseball or Tiger Woods career <laughs> hole-in-ones? Okay, so here's how I'm going to talk myself through this one. The first two that we did, the first two, you went the baseball route, okay? You went the baseball route. So I'm going to take... Tiger Woods hole in ones. You got it right. Yes! Zig and zag. <laughs> zig and zag, baby. Yeah. Tiger Woods, 20 career hole in ones. Otani, only 17 career MLB wins. Okay. I like that. I got a couple bonus ones for you, though, too, okay. that the guys in the back don't even know about because they're Dodgers related. I thought this one was kind of fun. Which duo won more MVPs? Derek Jeter and Tony Gwynn combined or Cody Bellinger and Freddie Freeman? Cody Bellinger and Freddie Freeman. Wow, that was fast. You're good. Thank That's you. correct. Thank you. Can I get the... Can we get this man a right dinger? <laughs> Blew my mind today when I was going through all this stuff that Tony Gwen never won an MVP trophy. Yeah, that one. That that's that was an easy one because of the. that is actually a fun fact. Two of the craziest facts to me in baseball history, one of which being Tony Gwen didn't win an MVP award and another on the pitcher's side, Nolan Ryan never won a Cy Young award. Whoa. I didn't even know that one. Yeah. That one's wildest too. Yeah, Derek Jeter finished second for MVP, never won an MVP. Last but not least, how many NL MVPs have the Dodgers won since the last time the All-Star game was in Los Angeles? So since 1980, how many Dodgers have won the MVP trophy? You can phone a friend in the back if you want. Does I, does Freddie Freeman count for this or are we do they No, have, no, he was okay. not a Dodger when he won it. Okay. Cody Bellinger. Um Clayton Kershaw. There's got to be one in there I'm missing. Are they helping you out at all? Maybe. We, as a collective, are going to go with three. The Flippin' Bats delegation says three. Wrong. Two. You That's it? it? Right. Kershaw, and- Kershaw and Bellinger, baby. Wow. That was it. Your Dodgers boys back there need to get up on their Dodgers history, man. Okay. Mike Piazza, no? No. Okay. You want to finish this bad boy off with uh, some fan questions? I would love to. Let's get some fan questions in there. Trip, throw in some fan questions. Trip, throw them up. Producer Trip, what are we, whatever we're calling Trip. Trip is the guy behind the scenes that just makes he's this our, all he's, a, he's our graphics producer. Tremendous graphics, graphics producer. producer. That's the word I was looking for. Trip, 
Shout out. Thanks for getting these up quick. First question. Um, am I reading this or? Yeah, I can handle this. <laughs> Best role player in Major League Baseball right now. Someone who doesn't start every day, but has consistently shown impact for their team. Wow. Great question. Okay. This is tougher because I, I actually was like waiting for the, the countdown to come in my ear. I, for, I, I was in, I'm in the trivia mode. So let's see. I like to think of backup catchers here um, because just because of they, they typically play a massive role on a team because catchers are, are backup catchers are getting involved more often. Before this year, I probably would have like Chris Taylor has a has a big role with the Dodgers and plays most every game. So, but he would have been a, a typical great answer for this. Um, so, best role player. Okay, I'm going to take a guy like, um, you know, this might be a little recency bias, but I like what Garrett Stubbs did coming off the bench for the Phillies, hitting a walk-off bomb uh, on Wednesday. I love that. I, I went the backup catcher out, which I, I said I wanted to do, and then the recency bias took me to Garrett Stubbs. So, yeah, him. Yeah, I think every single team has a guy that they would all want to see as like, mate, what could he look like if he was a starter? He comes in, makes a big impact with a bat off the bench. But I think every team has a guy. Trip. next question. All right. With Ozzie Albies out for two months, assuming no rehab hiccups, should the Braves target a second baseman at the deadline? Ooh. The problem here is, is there aren't a lot of middle infielders or infielders on the market. There are a few um, outfielders. Uh, Contreras as a catcher is an option. Benintendi is certainly there. Bunch of pitchers. Uh, Luis Castillo, Luke Maley. There's a bunch of pitchers that can be. But I don't know if there's a lot of second basemen to target. That's my worry here. Um, so that's going to be a struggle for them. Look, Ozzy Albee's going down really hurts. But I do believe that they, I, I think the Braves will probably stick with like Arcia at second base and just hope Ozzy can come back at the end of the year and kind of be like a shot in the arm for the team end of the year. Because I, I just don't see, I just don't see the Braves making a move for a middle infielder. I think they stay in house on it. I could be wrong. I just don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what they do. Yeah, I don't know who they would get out either. I was trying to think of when you were talking about some second baseman who might be on the market, but I, I really can't think of any names that come to mind that they could go for. All right, last question, Trip. Hit us. Ooh. Do you think the Twins will get pitching help at the deadline? Great question. I absolutely do. Uh, I think the Twins are in the market for pitching. I think it's necessary. I think they have surprised many. The Twins are very good. Pair somebody at the top of that rotation with Joe Ryan. Um, obviously, the name that jumps off is Luis Castillo as a big piece that's going to be moved at the deadline. Um, so that would be a good fit there. There are plenty of other options that I think the, the Twins are capable of adding at the deadline. I actually I wrote down a few of these options that I wanted to go over. So uh, Names that I think will be available and are going to be available at the deadline. And the Twins are certainly a big option for these. Frankie Montas, Luis Castillo, uh, David Robertson in the bullpen. Uh, I, th I think they could use some bullpen help as well. Um, Michael Fulmer, Luke Maley, 
David Bednar. Those are all pitchers' names that I think are certainly going to be on the move. A couple of starters in there. But the answer to your question is yes. I think they will add, and I think they should add. Joe Ryan has proven to be a top-of-the-staff kind of guy. In a rookie year, he's proven to be really good. Um, So I do think they add. Good question. Yeah, you know, and we're about to close off the show, but uh, I do I do owe Dodger Nation an apology. Apparently, I missed a stat that there was three Dodger MVPs, 1988. That was the other one, Kirk Gibson. Can, can we, to wrap this, that's what I was about to G- say. Give me a to wrap this show, before I wrap, I would, like, I would like another one, please, because we got it right and producer Conrad was wrong. Thank you. And it was even louder that time. I love that. Her- so... I didn't grade myself yet on trivia. I do that every single every single Thursday episode when we do trivia. I grade myself. Today was a good one. I did really well, except when you brought in the Backstreet Boys. But So where I missed there is you said number one hits. I didn't know what chart you were going with. I thought you meant number one in my heart, and they had a few number <laughs> one hits in my heart. So that's why I went with that answer. So I'm going to toss that one up to a wash. Um do we do we want to do a pick to click real quick, or do I have to wrap right now? You got to wrap that right now. Got to wrap. Okay, no pick to click. I'm going to give myself an A, not an A plus, not an A minus, a middle of the pack A for trivia this week. But this has been a blast of an episode, my friends. This Thursday episode is always a lot of fun. Thank you for getting those questions in, uh, and you guys are able to be a part of this Thursday show. Make sure you download, subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast, Flipping Bats Pod. We're also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every episode on YouTube as well. The video of it, at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of those. This one has been an absolute blast, my friend. I will see you on Friday. Peace.